0: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet.
1: Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
0: Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. from Macca's, Juicy Angus Beef and the Lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's
2: today.
3: And I declare...
2: The winners of the 2021 AFL Women's Best and Fairest are Kiara Bowers of the Fremantle Football Club and
3: Brianna Davey of the Collingwood Football Club. Welcome to the Markers Run this Tuesday night on SCN. Jordan Canellas is filling in for Sam Hargraves this evening one 736 736 to give us a call, or you can send us a text on 433 98 1116. It is awards night in the AFLW this evening. A raft of medallions, trophies, and other honours will be handed out to declare the game's most elite from 2022. The rising star will be on offer tonight. Could it be any one of young Zinni Farquharson, Georgie Prosparcus, or Mimi Hill just to name three of the 20 nominees. The All-Australian team will be unveiled as well. Emma Carney gunning for a sixth Guernsey. Melbourne's bookends of Libby Birch and Taylor Harris hoping for an honour. And Will Gold Coast's wildcard, Tara Bahana, a first-year player at 27 years old who's come from the clouds, claim an All-Australian birth. And for the main event, the best and fairest, Surely Adelaide's three-headed midfield monster of Ebony Marinoff, Ann Hatchard and Aaron Phillips will all feature strongly. Mon Conti was the standout from the Tigers. Leaders Emily Bates from Brisbane and Fremantle skipper Hayley Miller will feature strongly in the votes for the first time. Regular names, Kiara Bowers, Ash Riddell, Jazzy Garner and Ellie Blackburn are expected to poll. So who claims the awards? Have you got the hot tip? Let us know on the Macca's Run, 0433 98 1116, off the temper text, or you can give us a call, 1300 736 736. A big show on the way tonight across the Macca's Run and across the sporting capital later on. At half past this hour, Sarah Black will join us in preparation for the W Awards. She writes for afl.com.au on both the men's and the women's games and to the and uh, and speaks on the credit with the or pardon me credit to the girls podcast uh, with her co-host Lucy Watkins so she'll be with us at half past this hour to preview the W Awards for tonight and look ahead to the grand final in the AFLW this weekend later on the sporting capital from 7 p.m two guests on the way harry garside australia's first gold uh, pardon me first medalist it was a bronze first medalist in boxing, in men's boxing, since 1988, he achieved that last year in Tokyo. He'll be with us at half past seven this evening on the Sporting Capital to talk about his second pro fight coming up. He had his first pro fight back in December, which he won, and he's got his second fight coming up tomorrow night in Sydney. He is the main event of the cards at uh, at the Horden Pavilion at Moore Park in Sydney against Manu Matei and it's for the Australian lightweight title. So Harry Garside, one of the next generation of Australian boxing, and a man who has medalled at the Olympics, will be with us at half past seven, and then at half past eight later on, it will be uh, Sam Duncan who's going to analyse what's been happening in the media and dissect everything uh, that has gone on in the last week in footy from a media perspective, uh, really analysing and deep diving into the uh, the, the image, or the, the imaging and the PR and the everything else that uh, revolves around the media so get your uh, if you if that's part of your your niche uh, get the uh, get the cogs ticking over in the brain and send through a text later on in the evening when Sam Duncan joins us 1300 736 736 0433 are the two numbers to get in contact with us are we on the verge of changing our tune when it comes to big forwards kicking big bags in a season how we celebrated when Lance Franklin kicked his 1000th goal in his career a few weeks ago the achievement of something rare in the modern era and it uplifted everyone in the football world yet there was an undertone of lament when it happened that it might be the last time we were to see such a moment and that might be so we might not see it for a while I'm not prepared to declare we won't see another person kick a thousand goals in the vast future of the game I mean maybe for the Generation that we're in right now. That might be the last, but when you think about the years and years and years ahead of football, ahead of us, and for our future generations, surely there's going to be someone or a handful of players who kick a 1,000 goals in their career. But after Lance Franklin, just two weeks later, and we are already lauding the bags of goals and the influence key forwards are having on our game. Jeremy Cameron kicked six goals on the weekend. Nick Larkey from the lowly North Melbourne kicked six goals the week before against, albeit West Coast. Uh, Mitch Lewis, uh, Todd Marshall, Charlie Kernow have all kicked six, pardon me, five goals in a game this season. And there's been a smattering of fours as well. I'm not claiming we're about to see another 100-plus goal season or another 1,000-goal player in the next 10 or 20 years, particularly as defences improve and defending has become uh, as tight as it is nowadays. But we thought the influence of key forwards was starting to wane. However, are we on the verge of seeing an upturn as the game changes and the implementation of new rules grow in their effects? So, your thoughts on the key forwards. Are they back in vogue? They've always been a key... Pardon the pun. They always have been a key uh, aspect of our game, and they've always been the focal points of an attack and formulating a phase of play. They are the targets, after all, at the end of the chain. But the way that they play the game, the way that they are involved in the game now, and the rules around the key forwards in the game, are they going to have as big an impact as we've seen in the last 10 years? Which rules have helped them the most? Well, obviously, the six-six-six has helped teams in particular open up the forward line and really win the ball out of the midfield and find a target inside 50. The stand rule, as frustrating as the stand rule can be, and the punishment of the stand rule uh, by giving away 50-metre penalties, and again, we saw plenty of 50-metre penalties on the weekends in the footy, Uh, but as much as that does irk us sometimes when teams infringe on that rule, it is actually what's been beneficial for the game and for the flow of a match, I think. They've helped the key forwards out. They've helped the the style of the game out, and the key forwards are having an impact on the game once again. Which player is the prototype for the future of key forwards? Is it the two-metre-tall, lanky leading, high-marking kind of players. Someone like Max King on the weekend, who was um, absent, really, for most of the match, to be honest, until the last quarter when he scored four goals and helped St Kilda get back into the uh, into the hunt and then ultimately to win by 33 points against uh, the Tigers. Uh, Peter Wright is another one who stands at a similar height as well and has had a big impact on Essendon, although they haven't won a game this season, but he has been a focal point inside 50 for the Bombers this season. It's just the help around him and the way that the team plays, which has let them down. But he has been probably playing some career best footy just about with the way that he's been able to impact uh, the, the Bombers in their forward line. one 736 736 If you have a thought on the key forwards, who is the prototype for the key forward of the future? And are we about to be celebrating key forwards like we once were? Just as we were thinking they might be well, their influence on games might be dampened. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text. A couple on the awards night tonight in the AFLW. Justin says I think Taylor Harris will win the best and fairest. Justin in Coburg. Big fella says Emily Bates will win the best and fairest tonight. Geordie, not that I'm biased or well, not though. Have a great night, says Big fella, one of our uh, ardent Brisbane supporters off the text. Your thoughts? Who's going to win it? The spread of players as well in in the AFLW. I mean, I know for the first handful of years as the uh, the league was coming into vogue and we were all uh, I guess those initial years when we were learning about who the star players were it was the regular cycle of names we all knew Daisy Pierce we all knew Aaron Phillips who coincidentally will uh, battle it out against each other in the grand final this week so it's almost like going back to the future in the grand final but as we've learnt the new names of, of the, the stars of today and the stars of the future it is nice I guess for maybe casual fans of of AFLW the 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 ardent supporters and those dedicated will will know these names inside out um but to to see the names of uh players like Ash Riddell and Emily Bates and Hayley Miller who are all players who are in the last year or two have stepped up and and make, have sort of made the greatest elite players in the competition they're becoming household names now and it's always not just in women's sport or Aussie rules uh, women's, but in any sport, really, seeing the, the new cycle of names come through. It keeps it fresh uh, when watching a sport and seeing that next generation come through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 if you'd like to have your say here on the Macca's run over the course of the uh, the first hour. Sarah Black will be our guest. We'll ch- chat to her ahead of the W Awards this evening as well, so keep those text messages coming through. Jordan Canellas with you here this evening. The temper text is always open. We'll go back and have a recap of what's been making headlines in the sporting world as well uh, over the uh, the last 24 hours. If you're a fan of American sport, you might have been watching the NCAA uh, basketball tournament final today between Kansas City or not Kansas City, Kansas. I think it just is the uh, the they call themselves the Jayhawks. I'm not totally au fait with college basketball but they had the win over North Carolina the Tar Heels which is uh, one that I do know the nickname of they won today March Madness so we might chat about that a little later on Uh, let's get to the phone, Steve is with us in Hurstbridge to start things off to chat about the impacts that uh, the rules and the game is having on the key forwards of today, Steve welcome to the show Thank you What's on your Um, mind?
4: Yeah you know, when a player takes a mark and players run past him,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and then all of a sudden some stray gets in the way and it's 50 metres. Yep. Um, the easiest way to get away from that, and they should have done it a long time ago, is as soon as either their teammate or somebody else, um, yeah, a teammate runs past, then it's play on and he has to play on.
3: Okay, so um, the, te-
4: that the, that out.
3: the teammate of the kicker.
4: That's right, yeah, teammate of the kicker. If he runs in that protected area, and, unless he's stuck in that area from the start and they get out real quick. But if he's running past to take the handball or whatever, then it's, it's, it's play on regardless if this guy takes, takes the opportunity to handball it or he plays on, but he's got to play on. That way, that that takes away any stray getting caught in a situation. Um, so as soon as a teammate runs past, it's play on. So that would cut that out a bit as well, probably. Um, which may slow the game down, I don't know. But it, it just takes away the ugliness of some poor sucker getting caught. And um, like a deer, in headlights. You've got no idea what's just happened, and he just encroaches and keeps on encroaching like Katie did a couple of years ago. And that's just a shock look for the
3: game. So the the net um, res, the net result of this is to to slow the game down a little bit, but also eliminate those those unlucky 50 meter penalties for players moving in yeah, that area.
4: Yeah, yeah, certainly um, takes away any confusion or the opposition player getting done for for being somewhere in the vicinity on the ground and getting done for 50 metres. Um, and also while you're pondering that, there was another thought, I didn't understand that this rule, it happened not not last weekend, but the weekend before when Essendon was playing Brisbane, and Lockheed Neal got a 50 metre. because was a merit? He didn't give the ball back properly or he didn't pick it up or he had the ball yeah. or, or something. But there was some stupid rule and I've never, ever seen that before in my life. And I don't know how it come in. And obviously, no, not many people knew about it.
3: that. W- that one's a... That, your phone line's just breaking up a little there, Steve. That one's a new rule yes, for this sorry. season. so That's no, okay. That one's a new rule for this season. So, um, okay. I think it's to help... Uh, speed the play up a little bit and, and effectively remove time-wasting uh, moments in the game. So players are being ordered to, to give the ball back to an umpire or back to, a, to an opposition player if it's a free kick as quick as they can. Sometimes players would hold the ball and, and wait to the last moment to finally fling it back. Now it's sort of, uh, yep. you've got to do it pretty promptly now. Cause,
4: yeah, I, I didn't see what Merritt did. I, I, I saw the incident, but I couldn't understand what Merritt did wrong. Compared to what, what's
3: happened, yeah, obviously in the past, yeah. No, thank you for the call, Steve. I appreciate it.
4: Okay, you have a good night, and um, yeah, good listening to you. Thank
3: you, mate. You too, Steve in Hurstbridge. Interesting. I, I I understand Steve's points and the point he's making to try and remove or eliminate or minimise the amount of the fifty metre amount of fifty metre penalties that we get in the game because it does. We're just watching the footy on the weekend. It, Frustrates me as well. How many times 50-meter penalties are being given? That was a big complaint a couple of rounds ago. Maybe not as many were were given out this weekend, but there was still more than more than what feels normal anyway, and what feel what is felt to be the usual amount in any given week in footy is we're seeing more of these 50-meter penalties. And I guess there's there's two schools of thought. There's there's a positive and a negative. So the negative is yes, it's just frustrating, and why we're we giving away these 50-meter penalties. For 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 incidents that aren't really, you know, don't feel like they merit a fifty meter penalty. We're giving away fifty meters for yeah, a, a footy not being delivered back to a player in a prompt enough time, or for a player shuffling their feet a little bit on the mark when they should be, uh, when they should be standing, you know, as part of the stand rule. That's the frustrating bit. That's the negative. The positive is well, I don't know if you would call it a positive. You can you can. Uh, interpret this as as any way you want, but one way to look at it is, well, if there are more 50 metre penalties being given, and this might be a positive might not be the right word, perverse might be the right word, perverse way to look at it is, it's helping advance the game, literally physically, the, the game is being advanced 50 metres up the field, so instead of a team taking a kick from 30 metres out from their own goal, they're now being marched to about the halfway mark of the ground, or just in front of the centre circles in the ground, uh, and they're able to, to take their kick there. And so we move the field sort of you know a third of the way up the ground and we can advance the play and get more forward entries and have more scoring. Uh, we can get more advanced uh, attacking phases and forward forays. It might be frustrating. It might come at the cost of you know ultimate frustration from footy fans who so are thinking, why are we copying these 50-metre penalties? But it might actually result in higher scoring, which is not great, I suppose, if you're the... The one who's on the end of it, but for the ones who are getting it, what's well, it is the uh, that's the net result. Joe from Northcote is wanting to chat about the 50-meter penalties. Joe, welcome. Good, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. What's on your mind?
1: Yeah, I, I think like a potential solution. I mean, I get it, right? Like the 50-meter penalties there for anything that is outside of the rules of play, and and sure, players need to be penalised for not um, adhering to whatever the AFL's put in place. However, rather than bringing in a 25-meter penalty for minor indiscretions and all of that sort of stuff, why can't we have one warning a quarter or two warnings per quarter for any indiscretion and then after that point it's a 50-meter penalty? So that in the case of that it's a a really high-intensity game like in a grand final where players may not be necessarily thinking about those really minor things that don't necessarily impact the game to a hell of an extent, rather than them having to always be switched on in those moments, and if they do make their first mistake in the quarter, or the team makes their first mistake in the quarter, they're not penalised straight away. And it just gives them a, a reminder for the rest of the quarter to go, be mindful of it.
3: Yeah, I don't mind that idea. We see it in, in, a, in a version now with the six 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 6 rule. So if a team infringes on the six 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 from an opening bounce, they get warned. The, the umpire will walk over to the ruckman and tell that his team has infringed the rule, and then they'll just play on as normal. There's no free kick or no Uh, for the first time anyway there's no free kick or or penalty given it's just a warning and then any any uh any subsequent infringement then they give a free kick in the middle so yeah why not i I don't mind that actually and you can categorize people might say why apply that then to some rules and not others or maybe you can you can create a, a category of rules where some rules are minor infringements where you give a warning and then some are major infringements where there's no warning and just a straight up penalty
1: Absolutely, and if there's, if, I mean, the, the straight up, and I agree with that 100%, it's kind of like a red card in soccer where yeah. if you're late to a marketing contest and you have an absolutely pole hole the bloke, then fair enough. That's a 50-metre penalty straight up. That's that's how it's always been. But for this infringement on a 10-metre radius around the kicker or whatever it may be, surely there has to be some sort of warning system just to remind the team, hey, for the rest of the quarter, just remember, you have your warning now. Next time you'll be, you'll be, and from here on out, you'll be penalized.
3: Yeah, yeah, one strike and then you're out. I don't mind it. I like that. I like that. Way of thinking. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, mate. Joe from Northcote. We'll take a break here on the Macca's Run. one 736 736 There's a couple more calls we'll get to on the other side of the break here on the Macca's Run. Sarah Black from afl.com.au is our guest later on to preview the W Awards tonight. We'll bring you live updates of the awards as they come through during the sporting capital at 7pm. But more of your calls on the other side of this.
0: The Macca's run with Sam Hargraves. The Macca's juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today.
3: Jordan is filling in for Sam Hargraves this Tuesday night. one 736 736 to take your calls. We'll get uh, one more in before we have a chat to Sarah Black. Uh, Jack is with us here in Richmond to chat about the 50-metre penalties. Welcome, Jack.
2: Jordan, how are you going?
3: Good, thank you. What are your thoughts on the issue?
2: Uh, I've got uh, two things to say. Mm-hmm. The first is that, specifically with you know where uh, that 50 metre uh, penalty for just you know the slight sideways movement or that that stand on the um, on the mark. Yeah. It's my opinion that that rule goes completely against the spirit of the game. I think it's a flawed rule. I think it should be abolished. And you know your comment that the positive thing about it is that it, you know, moves the ball up the ground. I mean, that's insane. That's like saying, you know, if you fall over and break an arm or we'll break a leg, well, the positive thing is that we've got good plaster work now that can repair it. I mean, it's just a bad rule. There's no good about it. You know, to move half a foot to the left, trying to stop somebody from, uh, playing on, which has been in the game since the very first day, is utterly against the spirit of the game, and I don't know one single supporter who endorses it or likes it. Got to get rid of it. Yep. There you go.
3: All right. I like it. I like the strength on that. And the second we've got about 45 seconds till we have to take a break, but your second point?
2: Sorry, my second point was that your uh, analogy of saying that it's positive for the game is insane. Oh, Okay.
3: Okay, no, I understand that. Fair enough. I like it. I like the strength of that. That's fair. I'm, you're happy, I'm happy to air your views. I've got mine, but that's... Uh, thank you for the call. Thank you. Jack in Richmond. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 736 736 433 1116 if you want to send through a text. Sarah Black's going to join us on the other side of this to preview the W Awards. And we'll continue this discussion on the other side of it as well. We've got some text messages coming through and uh, we'll get to those as well, keep your thoughts rolling through on the 50-metre penalties. Sarah Black, up next.
0: The Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. The Maccas, Juicy Angus Beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Maccas today.
3: Welcome back to The Maccas Run. Jordan Canella here with you, filling in this Tuesday night for Sam Hargraves on SEN. A couple of text messages and a call we'll get to before we have a chat to Sarah, just to keep this... Uh, discussion going for a little bit longer. A couple of rule, A couple of uh, text messages coming in on the rules and around the fifty-meter penalties. There's been a mixed bag. It's been a, a nice mixed bag off the text. Uh, one is blaming it on the, on the generations. Millennials are going to stuff this game. A warning for breaking a rule. Uh, I've got an idea. How about players who played who are paid quite well to play the game know the rules. Warnings for breaking rules of a game. Bloody hell, leave the game alone, says one off the text. Uh, Dom says the stand rule plus the protected area is the worst garbage in the 120 years of footy. I won't ever accept that it's a good thing for our game. There's 36 players on the field. You just can't expect players within the area to just vanish. Uh, Paul, uh, with the opposite view, says I endorse the standing rule 100%. The last caller has no idea what the general public opinions are, says Paul. And uh, Anonymous says I agree with the last caller, that uh, the stand rule is absurd and anti-football. Um, last caller was Jack Enrichments. I am um, more than happy to air the the anti-views against the stand rule. I'm, I'm fine. I didn't really have a response to Jack because I um I, I said my opinions before. By the way, I'm not saying I absolutely endorse the stand rule to its to the nth degree. I think there's a little bit of leeway that should be given. Things like just the the. The, the such minor shuffling of your feet on the mark if your body is effectively in the same spot if a player's body is effectively in the same spot but they are just shuffling their feet a little bit you know taking mini steps half steps left and right but not actually moving that shouldn't be penalized if you did that that's ridiculous that you get a 50 meter penalty for doing the two-step on on the on the spot if it's a full like you know half a meter step sideways or forwards or backwards or you know you're taking two strides to your left or right then yes okay that's that's against the 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 writing of the of the of the law but if it's a little shuffle it's it's nothing you don't need 50 meter penalty for that but other than that if the stand rule is having the effect on the game that it is now we're seeing we're seeing um it's, it's it, people are saying it's anti-football maybe the the rule itself might seem anti-football, but the effect of the rule is pro-football. It is helping football flow and it's helping football move and score. Um, so, if that's the the overall result we're getting, the net effects, then the stand rule, I'm 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 slowly coming around to it. I like the six-six-six. That was one I liked from the start. The stand rule, I'm starting to see now where how I how and why I would like it, and how and why all of us would like it. Uh, Buster is with us from Rye to chat about the stand rule and the 50-metre penalties. Buster, welcome. Hi.
2: Look, I think the the guy that takes the mark or gets the free kick, they're at a disadvantage because they've got to come back off the mark. It actually slows the game down because all the defenders are running past them. Got to give... The people who've got the football always should be advantaged. And we want to see goals kicked. I don't want to see 50 people behind a football. It's horrible. Mm. It feels... You know, the game has definitely opened up this year people kicking scores and kicking it deep to people marking it. You know, I agree with the show. Look, I'm a Carlton bloke. I watched the the game against Richmond. I thought Shane Edwards was really stiff. He, he didn't even look like he took a step. So, I agree with that, but I love the stand rule. I think it's a fantastic idea.
3: Excellent. Thank you for your thoughts, Buster. appreciate it. Buster and Rye, 1300 736, 736. We'll keep the phone lines open through the course of the evening. There's a bit going on tonight, though, around the the world of women's Aussie rules. Oh. <laughs> Melbourne are through to the grand final. They've cleared the final hurdle in the AFLW for the very first time. The W Awards take place tonight from 7pm and we'll have live updates throughout the course of the evening for you on the Sporting Capital over the next couple of hours. Sarah Black covers the men's and women's games for AFL.com.au and co-hosts the Credit to the Girls podcast, and she's with us here on SEN. Sarah, welcome. Thanks for having me, Jordan. It's gonna,
5: looking forward to being a very exciting night.
3: Yes, what lies in store for us tonight? We, uh, we managed to have, uh, in, in amongst COVID last year, we did have an event at a venue. and We've got the same again tonight. So what's the, what's the occasion look like this evening?
5: yeah so it's um at crown palladium the the main event um and yeah looking forward to seeing some of the non-victorian teams get down Um, we had lots of satellite events last year so it'll be good to get the majority of the room in together um the adelaide crows and the melbourne demons of course being grand finalists they're going to have their own separate events um, just to be COVID safe so completely understandable um and unlike the men this is a multi-award Nice. So, you know, we'll have the best and fairest crowned. Um, we'll also have the All Australian team named. That squad's been out there for a little while. Um, the Rising Star, and of course, Mark and Goal of the Year. So, yeah, lots of award winners um, going to be announced tonight.
3: Well, let's start off with the big one then. the The best and fairest. Run us through the the handful of favourites. Who are the ones that that you think the winner will come from tonight?
5: Yeah, you know, unsurprisingly, it is just as it is in the men's game. It is a midfielders' award. So, all these girls are. Uh, early ensconced in the midfield. Um, My hot tip is Emily Bates. I don't think it would be any surprise to anyone who's watched much AFLW. The Brisbane Lions vice-captains already won the AFL Coaches Award this year. Um, Hayley Miller from the Dockers. I think she'll get out to a really early lead, um, but she might tail off a little bit as the count count tightens up. Astra Dell from the Roos. She set the record for most disposals in a game with 42, and she's had a really a uh, consistent year. Um, and the two Crows girls, you can never discount Ebony Marinoff and Anne Hatchard. Um, however, the little asterisk on those two girls is that they'll probably poll votes and take votes away from each other. So, uh, yeah, those are some of the names to look out for tonight.
3: Yeah, Emily Bates, a great leader for uh, for Brisbane. And, and Hayley Miller, might the I mean, she's been a great player. She's probably elevated her game this season, her first season as captain of Fremantle. Might that be maybe an eye-catching factor in her in her poll voting ability from this season?
5: Yeah, for sure. She's definitely done a lot um, in dragging Fremantle back into matches and, and ultimately winning games off her own boot. She's, uh, she's a multidimensional midfielder. She's really made an impact this year on the scoreboard. Um, so I think that'll hold her in, in great stead.
3: In most years, the winner has taken it by a margin of about three, four or five votes. Last year, we had the closest count we've had in a best and fairest with the top 11 players all split by about five votes from from first to 11th, and we had dual winners last year as well. What was the nature of this season? Was there a standout from the pack you've just named, or are those names all pretty reasonably close?
5: I don't think so. I think it's going to be a pretty even count. I think Bates is the favourite just on based on sheer consistency. Um, the number of lines wins also will help her. Um, as I said, Miller will really get out to, to a strong lead, I think, in the early and, and middle rounds. Um, but the, as the Dockers dropped off, so did she. So that'll bring her back into the pack a little bit. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting count, that's for sure.
3: Is there a Smokey from a non-finals-making team that you like the look of?
5: Yeah, um, I I think you you can't discount Mon Conti. She's a proven vote-getter at the Tigers. Whether the Tigers have won enough games, I'm not too sure. Um, Amy McDonald at Geelong was best afield field in just about every single game they played. Um, And uh, the the two Bulldogs girls who who are proven vote-getters in Ellie Blackburn and Kirsty Lamb. So, you know, some smokies to keep an eye out there.
3: The rising star as well, as you mentioned, we have a pool of 22 rising stars per round in the AFLW, who are among the favourites for the Rising Star Award this uh, season.
5: Yes, I can't give you my hot tip for this one because I am on the, the voting panel, so I can't give away all the secrets. Um, it's a really deep field this year, um, and one thing that's a little bit different to the men's is that it's uh, up to the age of 21, so your first three years in the competition you're eligible. So, you know, whether it's someone like a, a first-year player, Charlie Rowbottom or Georgia Casparkas, so he's, um, you know, those really early, uh, those girls in the first season or someone like a Mimi Hill who's been in the system for a little bit um, or Mia King of the Roos. Um, I expect those names to, to sort of feature up there, um, but it could be anyone's game. I'm really interested to see how the votes are split out.
3: The rising stars, the young players in general in the league, are we seeing uh, again the ability of these, uh, these young girls, these young women coming through to pretty much impact as soon as they they start their AFLW careers? Are they pretty much hitting the ground running uh, again in in this season?
5: Uh, To an extent. I think those days are slowly... um, We're slowly pulling away from that a little bit more. I think the gap between... Junior footy, um, you know, top level junior footy, and AFLW is growing, um, which you know is it's not a surprise that the longer you have a competition running, the more professional and um, and harder it is to break into it. But there definitely was Charlie Robottom won games off her own boot this year, and no surprise that she was the number one pick. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised as the seasons progress for that trend to continue, for it to be harder and harder for eighteen year olds to have an impact straight off the bat.
3: For the All-Australian team as well, the squad of 40 was revealed to us last week and we'll find out the 22 tonight as part of the awards. Give us one or two names who you were most chuffed to see in the squad of 40 that was named last week.
5: Yeah, so I think the one that caught a lot of people by surprise was Shelley Heath. Um, she's a small defender from Melbourne, only 21. Um, um, and quite often, you know, small defenders don't necessarily receive the recognition that they should. So um, it was great reward for, for Shelley, who really um, played on a, a variety of opponents and, and held them well. Um, one to keep an eye out for for the All-Australian is Emma Carney. She is uh, currently going for her sixth straight All-Australian Guernsey, She'll be the only person to have that record. She currently ties it with Karen Paxman, uh, but Paxi, unfortunately, didn't make the score this year. So some names to look out for there.
3: Sarah Black from AFL.com.au ahead of the W Awards tonight. Uh, let's have a quick look back at the, um, the prelim finals and a look ahead to the grand final coming up this weekend, Sarah. The Adelaide v Melbourne clash, to decide the season. Firstly, the news perspective from Adelaide is that their ruck, Montana McKinnon, has been suspended for one game for rough conduct in the prelim. She was the Round 5 Rising Star this season. How much will she, uh, or her loss, hurt the Adelaide Crows?
5: Yeah, so they're challenging this one at Tribunal, which uh, I'm not surprised at all because she's quickly proven herself to be a very integral player um, in that lineup. She's, she's one of this new breed of ruck that can, um, you know, it's not, not just about the hit outs, it's about getting around the ground, um, and her intercept marking in particular has been really crucial for Adelaide. So coming up against Lauren Pearce, um, I think they'll be keen to have as much depth in the ruck as possible there.
3: Uh, the two sides met earlier in the season in round four Adelaide beat Melbourne by 14 points. both sides finished with a nine and one win loss record this season Melbourne number two attack, Adelaide number one defense. the games at the Adelaide Oval so it's all pretty even, but the Adelaide have the home crowd are the crows the early favourites.
5: Yeah, I think they are. They do have that good record over Melbourne, as you said. Early days, the Ds might have just had the wood over them, but the Crows of late, um, that 14 point margin earlier this year really flattered Melbourne. Um, Crows took the foot off the pedal in the last quarter, and, and the, the Ds managed to get a bit of a score on the board. Um, the last time these two sides played at Adelaide over was a preliminary final last year, and the Crows absolutely blew the Ds out of the water. I think the D's are a more mature side this time around. Um, they're, they're more sure of themselves, more confident in their abilities. Um, so it will be a much closer affair than that prelim last year. Saying that, I just I just don't think you can discount the Crows' experience um, when it comes to grand finals.
3: That defensive record as well. The only team to concede less than 200 points this season, Adelaide. Who are the stars in the back line for the Crows?
5: Yes, yeah, so they're led by Sarah Allen. Um, that's another name to look out for tonight. She's also in the All-Australian squad, um, multi-All-Australian uh, already um, at a pretty young age. Mariana Rachich is another name to watch back there in terms of intercepting. Um, Chelsea Bedell's been the one this year to really stand up for the Crows, who've been missing Ange Foley, who did her ACL in last year's grand final. Um, and Chelsea is a young key position player who's switched ends of the field um, and, and is really grown into that defensive role Um, but it's not just about those backline players it's about the fact that the Crows win the ball out of the middle so easily Um, Mm. that that really you know that helps their defenders out enormously.
3: For Melbourne what will the occasion of the grand final mean for the D's? not just for the season that they've had but I guess it's the culmination of a lot of work over the last couple of years even prior to the AFLW beginning they were them and, and the Western Bulldogs were the two teams that we visually saw uh, in some of those exhibition matches. So for Melbourne, this has been a little longer than just uh, the AFLW duration. What will it mean for the Ds that they're in the grand final now?
5: Yeah, it's a huge accomplishment and I think it's a sense of of relief, but... Um, but... just a reward for effort in a way. Um, Like you said, they've been involved in women's footy for for much longer than some of the other sides. 2013 was that uh, very first exhibition match between the Ds and the Dogs. Um, And there's people who have been involved at the Ds um, in women's football since then. Um, you know, Daisy Pearce, is, is going to be her last game? We're not sure. I'd love to see her go around again. I think she's more than capable of, of playing another season. Um, it's just up to her. So it'd be great for the health finish to see Daisy go out with, a, with the Premiership win um, and, and great reward for the investment that the Ds have put into women's football over the past eight or nine years.
3: I might tip you into that uh, into that debate fully now, Sarah. So Daisy Pearce, she's 33, football-playing, media-working mum of twins, who's pioneered the, the modern game of, of women's Aussie rules. If Melbourne win the flag, what do you think she does?
5: Yeah, I think she'll have a very long, hard decision to make. Um, I suspect that she may be leaning more towards um, hanging up the boots, but I'm not Daisy. I'm not in her own head. I don't know her decision-making process. Like you said, she's a she's a mum of twins, um, you know, so that comes into it also. She can do whatever she wants after football, Daisy. Um, she can go into the media. She can go into coaching. It's just whether she's finished yet. She's a really strong competitor. Um, and, yeah, I, I wonder whether the August start for the new season um, may just May just go. Maybe we'll just go around one more year because it's not even a full year. It's just just till the end of the year.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Similarly, the other superstar veteran on the other side is Erin Phillips. Will she play on after this season? She's a little older than Daisy, uh, but maybe the the lure of playing for her dad's team, Port Adelaide, with the uh, the new inclusions into the next season is that a lure for her?
5: Oh, for sure. She's you know her family have had such a long involvement in the Port Adelaide Footy Club and. You know, if you look online in pre, there's a photo from about 2015, I think, when they were talking about maybe forming an AFLW um, of, of Erin in a port, Guernsey. So originally, early days, um, that was where she was heading. What will be the deci- what will be one of the deciding factors, I imagine, for Erin, um, will be the the fitness of her knees. She's had a lot of trouble with knees. Um, over her playing career, um, and you know whether whether they're up to going around for another season or not, um, I imagine that's one of the factors she'll be considering heavily.
3: We've also never had a, a time when one club has held concurrently both men's and women's premiership, so that's on the line here for Melbourne this weekend to claim that title would be a it'd be a nice bonus in addition to actually winning the cup for the D's if they can do it.
5: It really will be. I was. Um, lucky enough coincidentally to be down at Melbourne training, Melbourne girls training that is, um, just before the season started and um, President Kate Roffey brought down the Men's Premiership Cup. It's um, sort of like a look what look what we're aiming for, this is what we want to achieve. Um, and I think, you know, for, for what the Melbourne Footy Club has been through, um, as a, I'm talking across, you know, men's and women's footy for the past 20, 30, 40 years, um, you know, it would be a real a real indicator that they have returned to, uh, to claim their, their right as one of the powerhouses of the competition if they're able to hold both titles simultaneously.
3: Sarah, before I let you go, uh, who's your tip for the flag this weekend?
5: Yeah, so I've gone with the Crows. Um, I, I really think that they'll They'll just have too much experience and composure in the end for the days. Um but I'm looking forward to a great game nonetheless.
3: Sarah Black, thank you very much for joining us on the Macca's run tonight on SEN and uh, enjoy the W Awards in uh, in a short few minutes from now.
5: No
3: worries. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Sarah Black from afl.com.au and the Credit to the Girls podcast with us here on SEN and those updates we'll bring to you as they come to hand throughout the course of the night. Uh, leading into the Best and Fairest Award winner at the culmination of the W Awards.
0: The Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. for Maccas, Juicy Angus Beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus of Maccas today.
3: Jordan Kanellis with you on the Maccas Run this Tuesday night. one 736 736 to jump on the Harcourts open line. Your move, Harcourts. Uh, Justin is with us in Coburg to chat about the AFLW Grand Final this weekend. Justin, welcome.
0: How are you, Jordan?
3: Good, thank you, Matt. Your thoughts, head of the decider.
0: Well, I reckon that Melbourne will win it for um, Daisy Pearce because I think she's done a lot of hard work to get them up into the grand final this year. Um, I think they'll get her to, to get her to get her um, maiden premiership this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And Daisy's been—I uh, mean, she's the among a few she's been the face of the league and the, and the face of women's footy for a couple of years now she's helped pioneer the sport she did a lot of work yeah not only with melbourne just this year in the last couple of years but also just helping be uh, a pioneer for women's sport to help get or well, women's footy specifically to get it off the ground and get the professional league so for her to be in the decided it'd feel like look i'm not claiming any biases i don't go for either adelaide or melbourne as a as a footy fan uh but i think I think a lot of footy fans would like to see Daisy Pearce win the flag, but also just see a different Premier, because Adelaide have been so dominant in the AFLW over the duration that a new flag winner would be that would be excellent.
0: Oh, definitely. And um, even if Melbourne win, I'm willing to sell my 75-inch TV <laughs> as a um, reward, because I think that it's worth more than anything. <laughs>
3: okay, a rewar- well, a re- reward to Melbourne?
0: Yeah, because I've... I've not only gone for Melbourne in the AFLW and in the um, AFL as well, but I think Melbourne it, itself is, needs two premiership teams. the so Melbourne, Demons in the AFL and the AFLW. So if we do that, we've got the um, Quinella.
3: I'm sure they'll appreciate it, the TV. They'll stick it up in the clubroom somewhere up in the cafeteria, I'm sure, and uh, and they'll they'll enjoy... You can hold on to your TV, Justin. It's all right. Uh, thank you, mate. Justin from Coburg. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 If you'd like to jump on the Harcourts open line for all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. The Macca's run about to come to a close here. Uh, score a Macca's hamburger for just $2. Uh, in our chat with Sarah Black before, we did mention um, the uh, Montana McKinnon Tribunal decision. Um, It actually just happened pretty much as we were speaking about the tribunal. So um, David Zeta from Fox Footy has uh, tweeted, the AFLW tribunal has decided to uphold Montana McKinnon's one match ban. McKinnon, I've done a Sam Hargraves. I left the uh, the faders up. (laughs) Sorry, Sam. Uh, McKinnon is in tears. Crows now arguing, quote, exceptional circumstances, given a grand final looms should be taken into account. And trying to downgrade the penalty, the tribunal says while sympathetic to the fact it is a grand final that McKinnon will miss, it does not ex- it, it does not constitute exceptional or compelling circumstances. The ban stands, so Montana McKinnon, the round five one of the two round five rising star nominees, and the ruck for for, uh, for Adelaide, will miss the AFLW grand final for the Crows at the Adelaide Oval uh, this weekend. That's the the latest from uh, from a number of outlets, but uh, Fox Footy, there's David Zeta Reporting. That's it for the Macca's Run, Sporting Capital. Harry Garside is our guest. That's up next.
5: G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au.
4: T's and C's apply. New South Wales. Authorisation number TP-01005.